Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Well, 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 what's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other such related things as such. I'm one of your hosts, Alex Croson. I'm sitting across the side from my friend and compatriot, Casey Clapp. Well, howdy, Alex. How y'all doing? Casey, hello. Alex, good for you. We have great accents. No one has ever said otherwise. That's right. Uh, a big hit among the people. And of course, mm. I'm using this accent on purpose, Casey. And today, I believe... Am I... I'm, I'm closer than I was the last time I used it. Uh, Yes, quite closer. Okay. Yeah, I would agree. But, Do you agree that I'm dead on? Um, Yes. That's what people are saying. Huh? I would say so. However, every time I hear your accent, it always for some reason reminds me of a Kentucky accent. You know what it is? Hmm. It's uh, like five different southern accents yeah. mixed together in my brain. Exactly. It also, I can hear that, I guess is what yeah. I'm saying. I, yeah. I'm, I'm worldly. You are. You really are. You're southern worldly. Yeah. <laughs> my little pocket of sunshine. My little pocket of sunshine. My little corner of the world. <laughs> um, Casey... Uh, we're speaking uh, in this way because today we're talking about a uh, a tree. Uh, we are talking about a tree, and the tree speaks this way, so we wanted to make sure that we could communicate on the tree's level with That's the tree. Right. That's of right. Of course. It sounds a little demeaning, but it's not. We're on the tree side. That's true. We are talking about the the famous southern live oak today. Wow. Quercus. I know that much. Yeah. What's the next one? Virginiana. Virginiana. That's right. Okay. Initially named after the place that we called Virginia. Yes, who was originally named after... Queen Victoria. Uh, Elizabeth? <laughs> Elizabeth, <laughs> the Virgin Queen. Yes, They made the Virginia Company. They made a colony. They called it Virginia. Therefore, the name of the tree is the tree of Virginia, the oak tree of v Virginia. There you have it. A little fun <laughs> fact for you to start the show. That's what it is. Uh, Casey. Oh, Alex. Let's imagine, as we do every episode... Hey, you know what we did? What we skipped our uh, we skipped our opening. I'll just say really oh. quickly, Casey, how you doing? Ah, you know, I'm doing great, Alex. Okay, I'm doing great. Everything's, Wonderful. Everything's working out. Had a lot of fun with you this morning. Yeah, it's we had a good morning. That was fun. Good morning. Yeah, feels good. Uh, so, uh, yeah, how are you? I'm I'm also doing I'm quite well. That's excellent to hear. Yeah. Uh, let's imagine as we do every episode <laughs> that you and I are walking through. Hmm. The landscape of Virginia. Oh, actually, could I ask a a, a um. A Louisiana almost swamp, or may, uh, a Georgia almost swamp on the Pacific side, or the Atlantic side. Oh my Absolutely. god! Absolutely, we can be okay. anywhere we want with our, with the power of imagination. Yeah. So we're there, and <laughs> so we come across some southern live oaks. Casey, let us ID this tree. Oh my god! Wow, Alex. Yeah, yeah. yeah there yeah. is almost no tree in the world. That has the the look, the feel of the, cotton, of cotton, of Spanish moss. See, if we were doing the cottonwood, that joke would have killed. Yeah, that would have been amazing, and everyone would have been like, "Yeah, what?" The look, the feel of cottonwood. Oh, that's their that's that's, that's their, cotton's motto I got or slogan. It. Oh man, I didn't get that. I yeah, missed that one. I'm used to it. Well, let's go back. The look, the feel, the smell, 
of an oak. Yes. Specifically, the forests of wow. the southeastern United States. More, I guess I would say specifically, but also kind of like broadly speaking, the uh, it's it's like they're they're a tree that grows along the coast, but like the uh, the southern coast by the Gulf of Mexico through Florida up uh, probably about to Virginia, in fact, okay. um, up the the Atlantic coast. And a little J shape. Oh my God, Alex! I just I can't speak highly enough of what this forest looks like because the trees grow out in this way that is not tall. They they don't really get massively tall. They stay really kind of short. But but they arch over and around and just keep growing outwards. They're real. They're real uh, man spreaders. Oh my God, they are, and they make room for each other. They are. The, they are the definition of tree spreaders for sure. Yeah, and they they just like have this look in this field that just is stunning. So the main thing that you see when you're walking through a forest of these is that they have a bunch of moss hanging from them. Yeah, what is that moss? It is, is that beard moss. It's Spanish moss. Is okay. the, is what it's called and. Spanish moss is this epiphytic plant. It's a tilidesia or tilansia. I always add like another syllable to that. You but, called it epiphytic? Yes, it's an epiphyte, but it's not an epiphyte in the way that you expect it to be an ep- epiphyte. Oh, wow. I was conflating that word with epithet. Oh, which yeah, Which is something yeah. very much different. Sorry, yes. An epiphyte is a, is a tree that grows, or a plant that grows on the outside on top of another plant. Okay, great. So like epidermis, same same base word. Wow, Casey. It grows on the side of something. So if you have a plant growing on your skin, that would be an epiphyte. That's, you. that's cool. Like, a, like an ivy or a, a... Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Now, the thing, I guess the difference though, an ivy, like its roots are in the ground. And for mistletoe, its roots are in the tree. Oh. So that's a parasite. And the other one is a vine, so it's using it. But it's not, I would, I would say it's not quite an epiphyte because an epiphyte has its whole life and does everything up in the tree. Got it. But it's not actively taking nutrients from the tree. It's okay. Just, it's, it's just the, the tree is the medium that this thing grows on. Okay. Orchids are a great example. There's a bunch of things in the same family as uh, uh, pineapple that also do this. In tropical places, they're they're all over the place. So this Spanish moss, yep. this musco española, si, si, si. is very uh, is is a quintessential. It, it's almost like you know we we talked about like uh, uh, chlorophyll, chloroplast. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Being like so old school buddies with a leaf uh-huh. that it becomes a part of the leaf. Yeah, basically. Spanish moss is like such old school buddies with the oak. This yeah. particular oak that it. it it looks wrong without it. It does. It does. And it just is like such a such a beautiful thing. Like people call it like the sort of everyone has these common names like old man's beard or something like yeah, that for a yeah. lichen that we have over here. Uh-huh. But this is an actual flowering plant and it grows and just hangs down these long threads throughout all these trees. It's spooky. It is. It's so spooky. It's like the classic like southern swamp kind of thing. Yeah. And that's where these trees grow. So you're walking through the swamp. You see these these canes of these big, huge oak trees grow up, split out, and then just go out over the landscape. The, yeah. The big ancient ones, which a lot of, almost every single one's been cut down, and there's some that have been replanted or grow on estates or something like that. They were planted in the middle 1700s, still kicking it today. And you get these massive, big branches that arch over. Some hit the ground again and then come back up. Wow. They're just the most incredible architecture you've ever seen on a tree. Wide as you've ever imagined, these big, huge, I call them canes because I imagine canes come up and kind of come back mm-hmm. down and then back out. And that's what they that's what they do. You Covered know what, in things. They, they look a bit like, uh, you know, in like a dam breaks and like a huge gush of water comes out. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it goes, whoosh, and it splashes back ah, up. Ah, yes. It, they kind of look like like a wood dam that is broke. A, that's a great description. And they just kind of like, oh, they went, they let loose and they just sort of go where they please and yeah. they just really spread out and, and kind of, they don't, it's perfect. It almost, they don't, they don't seem to even care about anything else around them. They just like go for it. Yeah, it's, that's, that's perfectly, that's a good, ex- yes. 100%. They're, they're free spirits. I they're would say. free spirited trees. And well, God, they just they just exemplify it so well. Let's talk about the leaf case. Let's talk about it. So this is another one of those great evergreen oak trees. Oh wow. Rex. I did not know that. Yes, it is evergreen, but its leaves don't look like an oak at all. Hmm. The the look of it, when you see the tree, 
you would look at it and say, yeah, that's an oak tree. Like wow. it grows, um, it grows in this way that's called the live oak kind of growth pattern where you have the, the tall, big, strong regal oaks of the north and like of northern Europe that have these tall trees that grow up and create these big massive canopies in a big globe thing. Mm -hmm. Oregon white oak's a great example. The bur oak, the northern red oak, the pin oak, these kinds of things are English oak. But then as you go south, you end up getting a different uh, a different kind of tree. It doesn't grow as tall, but it grows really wide and they stay they stay shorter, but then grow really long. The uh, the coast live oak in, in California yeah. does the same thing. Um, a bunch of different species or subspecies in uh, Texas and Mexico. And then as you go further over, you get this in, south, in the eastern United States. And it has... This at the same time as you change in this uh, this vertical or I guess it's more latitudinal change from oak like leaves that have those lobes uh-huh. whether pointed or not. The further south you go, the more those just become simple leaves. That's really interesting. And evergreen. I should add that too. The simpler and more evergreen as you go further. As south. As you go further south, so mm-hmm. northern oaks are all going to be like lobed and deciduous. They at least tend to be. Sure. Yeah. Ma- majority. We we're talking majority. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Seventy percent or more. That's right. <laughs> um, okay, that's yeah. really fascinating. What a what a quirky uh, little little uh, characteristic. It really is, and they some of them can get like little points on them. Like you can kind of get a little tiny point at the end of a, a vein on the edge on the on the um, the the edge of the leaf. But that's about it. Why, do we know why that's just the way it grows? I think it's just the way it grows. Okay. Uh, it might be. So a lot of times, um, this is the theory. The reason that leaves develop in those, like they, they have that pinnately compound or the palmately lobed appearance uh-huh. is because it lets in a little bit more light further down into the tree. So the tree gets light coming from not only the outer side, but it also gets some way down in the middle. So you get more light penetrating into the canopy that allows interior leaves to also get a little bit of photosynthesis. And then wherever you get photosynthesis, it goes into the most close regions. So you photosynthesize on a leaf, those sugars first go to that twig. Then they go to the branch that that twig is connected to. Then it goes to the stem area where that branch is connected to. And then it goes down to the roots. It's trickle-down photosynthesis. Totally. That's exactly it. And every middle cell takes a little bit of it as it goes down. Uh, see, <laughs> it perfect. works, people. Yeah, it works. Everyone, uh, vote. I'm being ironic. Yes. Um, so I think with uh, with these, like the conditions are just a little bit better. A, they can be evergreen because it's not as cold. But B, if they're evergreen, then right, they're, const- right, right, right. they're constantly working all the time. So they don't necessarily need that that other efficiency because they're making up for the efficiency somewhere else. Okay. So this is all kind of just me, you know, talking about it. I don't know if anyone's done any specific uh, research on it. If there has been, I haven't read it. But that is, uh, if you're thinking about trees in a uh, holistic sense, they have energy, they have a budget, how are they going to use it, then that, it, that makes sense to me because yeah. you're investing more energy into this thing, so you don't need to invest into this. I, I wouldn't have been able to put it in those words, but that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, okay. Basically. Perfect. Why, why this would be, why more southern oaks would be evergreen. Yeah. Um, Casey, uh, sh- like most oaks... Yes. Should I say all? I think you can, depending on what you say next. This oak has an acorn. Yes, all of them do, just as you said. Great. It does. It's got a cute little acorn, actually. And the acorn is very, like, it's long and shiny. Its cup covers about half of it. And it's just a fun little. It's just a, it's just a, it's just a fun little acorn. It's like it's like black. It is. It's really dark. Like it's got. A, it's it's like a mahogany kind of color. Yeah, I, think. I would I would maybe call it like a really dark purple. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, the the cap is kind of really thin. Like it's not an intense cap. It's kind of like a beanie that sucks onto your head. You know. Yeah. That's what it looks like to me. And then the uh, the leaves are kind of greenish. The twigs, of course, last forever, and they really come out. And the the tree itself is used for the the acorns. They're made all the time, so you get this uh, this habitat. And famously, oak trees have a ridiculous amount of birds and, and insects that are on it. I was hmm. listening to a podcast the other day that my friend Kefrey sent over, and the whole podcast is about how um, birds eat native or eat uh, caterpillars 
caterpillars eat native trees and like so what trees are best for caterpillars and like on the top of it is oaks hmm. and oak kinds and uh, people have written in said oh we should talk about like the whole ecosystem of an oak tree it turns out there's like 10,000 uh caterpillars individuals to raise one clutch of um of a bird i can't remember which bird but a little songbird that would live wow they need to eat 10,000 caterpillars then that's just one clutch for one bird. To have a whole population of yeah. one bird or multiple birds, you have to have hundreds of thousands of caterpillars growing in this area. And a big, gigantic oak like this could have thousands upon thousands of caterpillars on it that a whole team of chickadees could like put not even a dent in. Jesus Christ. It's crazy. And then imagine that for an entire forest of these things. That'd be a fun topic for a uh, for a Patreon episode. Yeah, I think, well, that's a great idea, Patreon.com slash arbitrary. <laughs> but yeah, so this is, I mean, for an oak tree, it has all that you want. This big, gorgeous, capacious canopy. But then also, it adds in that extra flair of like, oh, I'm also going to continue growing bigger forever. Ever. Yeah, okay. And get these huge, massive canopies that just are are like an umbrella that slowly, constantly gets larger and larger and larger and larger, and then gets covered in this moss that just droops it like a, a vertical fog. It's one of the most wow. stunning trees you've ever seen in your life. This is You've raised a, an interesting question that I just want to briefly touch on. I don't want to get into a whole thing. Okay, I won't make any comments. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best way to make sure we don't last on something for an hour. <laughs> my, my, hand, my fingers are holding the nickel, and I'm just holding it above the slot. Yeah, right. Um, I, love, I like that phrase, putting a nickel in Casey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so... Um, Rate of growth. Yeah. I'm assuming that across species, it varies. Mm -hmm. Some trees are just faster, more consistent growers. Sure, yeah. Some trees are slower growers. Some trees grow really fast when they're young and then kind of chill out in their old age. Mm -hmm. um, would you say that the southern live oak has a fairly high consistent rate of growth? Because you said it, 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 it keeps growing and growing and growing. Yeah, yeah. Don't some trees just kind of max out and hang out for a while? Yeah, and that's it, it's more like they max out and they... It, like. A tree could live forever if it had the opportunity. If it didn't have like outside influence. Exactly. All these other forces. Gravity and shit. Gravity, lightning, decay, things yeah. like that. So a, a quick growing tree that just kind of tops out and dies, uh -huh. for whatever reason, genetically, it only grows to a certain height. Okay. That's just kind of in the genes of some plants. I see. Um, Otherwise, it is a structural thing. They start. They also put no effort into putting in any decay. So then, or any decay resistance. So as soon as any decay gets in them, they just topple in a matter of years because they've lost all their their the, structure. The southern live oak? No, that's just sorry, sorry, just some trees. Oh, okay. The southern live oak is one of those like a Douglas fir where it has put just the right amount of budget into just about everything. Oh. So it grows at a medium pace. So Douglas fir grows way faster in terms of height. It grows at a medium pace. It's not the fastest. It's not the slowest. It's okay. growing in an area of the world that is, you know, very humid, has a lot of rain, and is very moist, like humid all the time. So the trees can, like, constantly grow. Sorry, it also is a, you know, generally warm there. So the trees can grow at a pretty good clip throughout the year. I see. They're evergreen, so they're kind of constantly putting mm. in more effort into their leaves, but less effort into, uh, or they're, and they're growing a little bit more, but they don't lose their leaves. So it's like, okay, so we gain some here, we lose some here, and, but they are decay resistant as hell. This is half, half the reason of our topic today, which is like their uses. Oh, yes. Historically, is because they're really decay resistant. So they have that going for them. They're oaks, so they are naturally really strong wooded, mm. especially if they're growing slower. Hardwood. Exactly. Really hard, really decay resistant. So you get two things there. One, you're strong enough to grow outwards as long as you want. Two, you're very decay resistant, so you don't need to worry about decay constantly attacking you and yeah. breaking you down. And then the next thing is that they're just a long-lived tree, like well over a thousand years wow. in some documented trees. For real? Yeah, and that's half the reason they do this. Like, we'll, we'll sprout if we break. We're growing in really nice, cushy conditions. Uh -huh. We're evergreen, so we just kind of constantly are doing a little bit at a time anytime there's good conditions. We're decay resistant, and... 
we're just going to keep cooking at a slow, medium rate for a really long time, mm. as opposed to other trees that may grow really fast, but then once they grow really fast, they have not put effort into these other things. I see. So then they fall. So it's a good budgeter of, yes. of its energy. Exactly. And it's just efficient overall. And it's 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 got a good roll of the gene dice, yeah. where it's like, yeah, I, I guess I'm an oak, and I have all these other attributes that, that go well for me, and that's why oaks are so profoundly, like important trees for every ecosystem around that they exist in this i would i would say this oak was born a winner how about that casey that's exactly that's it that's it that is it uh we have plenty more to say about the southern live oak well we sure do its uses to humans and animals alike that's right after the break we'll be right back with more completely arbitrary Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, sir. Today, we're talking Southern Live Oak. Hold on, Casey. Alex. Oh my God, he was reversed. Ooh, I had my headphones on backward and it just felt wrong. Wow. Welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. So, uh, you were saying we're talking about the uh, Southern Live Oak, eh? Quercus yes. Virginiana. Quercus Virginiana. Well, Alex, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> it is my job. Yeah, good work. So this tree is is such a fascinating tree for a couple different reasons. So one of the big things is that this tree has has like shaped the United States to a certain degree. See, this is this is already. I'm thinking. Oh no! I know it. it yeah, because the shape of the United States and its and its foundation is. Is a sickening tale. Yeah, it's got it's got its problems for um, sure. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. It's, Take it away. So we're gonna we have to you know first of course we we always do say you know there are all these different things that have happened that are you know as we look back it's atrocious and it's awful and you you think to yourself well like the colonization of the Americas has has been an awful thing. Yeah. It's like yes in that. That is a fundamentally awful thing. However, we are here in the present looking back thinking, ah, damn it. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. You know, yeah. So, like, as we are telling this tale, we, we're first, we're acknowledging, yes, that is the thing. And we're going to look at it and, like, well, here's how the tree was used. And, and here's its part in that story. Okay. So, these, these forests, of course, were filled with people for and they had been for thousands of years mm-hmm. um how they used the uh the live oak probably vastly wa- was vastly different than how the europeans used it yeah um this story though is going to be more about how the europeans used it and how this like um the world politics of the time created this weird demand for a very specific tree and then how that like had this giant upswell and then all of a sudden just poof disappeared the popularity of this tree disappeared Not the the demand for the tree disappeared which well, is well, okay. very obvious when you when I tell a story I'm like oh well that makes total sense but I just want to say that because this, you know, I like I know we a lot of times really try to hit on a lot of things, but this happens to be a, a colonization story. Okay. So, well, yeah, there's your disclaimer. <laughs> there's my disclaimer. So the uh, the the history. Lean into it, huh? Yeah, I, I, I don't want to I don't want to have any <laughs> preconceived notions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that is that's this story that we're okay. telling. Okay. So the the live oak has that very specific form to it, which is it grows 
up and has you know a central stem but that central stem has these other long arcing curving branches that come off of it yeah and they are arched first up and then out and then down back to the ground mm-hmm. like like the the arches of the McDonald's M if you will wow the golden arches the golden arches now this tree it stays pretty low because it grows in an area that constantly gets hurricanes so oh. staying low Smart. and having these these kind of lower big tough branches makes it so it's it, it can withstand hurricanes way better it's hunkering down yeah which means it can grow to a really old age mm. and it can maintain this shape the entire time like it doesn't have a big stem that comes up yeah breaks off regrows breaks off like you get this one nice well done branch can you imagine a hurricane in like a pacific northwest forest oh man <laughs> i can't really it would be i mean we get our hurricane-esque things but nothing like what they no. get in the southeast that would be just uh fucking it, anything disaster it would be a disaster like all i mean most of our trees are just so tall they just wouldn't do that unless there was a whole forest of them a whole forest of these trees i think would be okay okay but individuals they probably get knocked down like like poles not all of them but i oh an amount that would be pretty stunning I yeah bet. so these trees are are adapted for their environment good for them and um when the europeans were coming over they first were looking for resources I, we talked about this a while back um uh, it, on one of us, it could be a Patreon episode, I can't recall, but mm. we essentially talked about the uses of resources in European places versus in the Americas, where in Europe there were resources, but there were also things that they had around them the whole time. I think this was the the use of uh, arboriculture and how Americans now and Europeans now view and use trees. Oh, this would have been our pedunculate oak yes, episode. exactly. So when they were first coming over, the Europeans were looking for... For resources right like that was a it was a high high on the list yeah the sort and, of their paradigm yeah coming exactly. into this new place precisely and when they first started these colonies they went over and they said we should start a colony because we can get all these resources one of those <laughs> was the eastern white pine that it grew straight up it was huge it was massive and they could make these ma- just massive masts on these big ships mm. that they were building so they would have this perfect, really strong, tall mast that was three or four feet at the base and a hundred feet tall. Wow. They would put that on their ships. So great. That is that that works out really nicely. Meanwhile, they also would use uh, pitch from the pitch pine and other things they called them naval stores and this was a um, getting pitch and tar and turpentine from different species of pine trees in the new world as they called it yeah and this was really good they would you know take it and it would fill the gaps in between the the wood and it would be what essentially makes things waterproof so they were really important resources. Oh wow! Okay, so they would uh, they would like use it on the bottom of the wood, yeah. and, like, to seal it and, and and to make it waterproof, so they could yeah. sh- they could sail their ships. Precisely, that's it. Interesting. Now we've talked about essentially the top ship. They would use the the planks that were on top, that, like you would walk on. Uh-huh. Those planks would be made of like the poop deck, Casey. The poop deck. You're right. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> That would have, uh, it would be, you want it to be decay resistant wood. Sure. Because you needed it to be um, able to take these, you know, conditions of water and, you know, people walking on it, things like that. Pretty high importance, yeah. Yeah, pretty high importance. So those would be made with like uh, bald cypress, really decay resistant Mm. wood. Different species of oaks, but the, the white oaks and the black oaks and the red oaks that would grow straight like those tall ones in further further new england and in okay. the mid atlantic because those would grow tall and straight in forest conditions so if you cut those down you got the perfect boards to plank out of that right mm. so it's like okay great so they were using the trees that were growing for certain purposes that those trees lent themselves to based on how they grow now the live oak does not grow like either of those trees. Right. It doesn't grow tall, and it doesn't, if you if you cut one of those big, long, arching branches and you mm-hmm. cut it into a straight thing, when it dries, it cracks and bends and warps a wow. whole bunch. So I was like, well, this is completely useless to make a very tall, perfectly straight mast. Yeah. It's completely useless to make planks because the planks are going to be so cattywampus, you're not even going to be able to walk on it. It's completely pointless. However, Good usage of the term cattywampus, thank Casey. You. I, I have to, to commend you on that. I, I try to put it in every single one of our podcasts, and 
sometimes it just I don't think you've ever said it before. <laughs> the effort was there, Alex. <laughs> Looking for your moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the one thing that these trees did lend themselves perfectly to was the bones of the ship underneath. The bones. Yes. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, your framework. Exactly. So recall, Oh, yeah. They're all, it's all fucking curvy. And now all you got to do is take those curves that are arched up, uh-huh. cut them, flip them yep. over. Now you have the rib bone of a gigantic boat. Yes. So that is what they would use them for. Wow. And they were fantastic. I'm sure. They essentially put all these things together. And of course, so here, like we said earlier, decay resistant. They are really strong wooded trees. They are arched in the perfect way. If you cut them and hew them into the the way that you want, you can get it to fit exactly the way you want on the ship for Uh whatever size you need because there were thousands upon thousands of these trees on the entire west or... uh, the entire east coast of the southern United States, throughout Florida, and all the way over into like middle Texas. Mm. So you have a ridiculous amount of these trees. As the, all of these Europeans came over, they're like, it's an inexhaustible mount of trees. Oh, God. But we quickly learned how to exhaust that, by yeah. the way. He'll exhaust anything. Yeah, Jesus Christ. We, we sure will. So what they ended up doing is they made these rib bones and they started using it and then it kind of got a little bit famous because they could, without doing much work, like much more work, Mm -hmm. obviously it's a lot of work to cut down a tree, but you would cut the tree and then you would plant it uh, or you would would let the whole stump grow and it just start regrowing again. But they would cut that, cut a bunch of them and then make a ship. And I think it said... um, you had to have, I think, 680, no, I'm sorry, an estimated 160 trees for a sloop, which is a kind of boat. Wow. Hold on. Let's let's pause for a moment yeah, and okay. think about that, that ratio. Huge number, isn't it? 680 trees to make one ship. Yes. Sorry. I, I messed that up. Uh, I just said for a sloop. So live oak trees required... Uh, you needed 680 for a 74-gun ship of the line, which is a ship of the line's like the brand new ship that comes out. It's still a single ship. It's one single ship. 680 trees. 680 live oaks. That did not include the other oaks for the planks yeah. and the mast trees that you would cut down. Those are the tall eastern white pines or other kinds of pines. So we're talking one tree for the mast. Yep. And then exactly. however many for the, the planks. Yeah. And then 680 for the for this big ship so probably over over 700 trees for one ship uh yeah 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 but specifically the live oak took up most of those because they had the right attributes that is fucking haunting isn't that an insane amount that's absurd for a for a smaller ship only a, a 44 gun frigate they needed 460 trees. And for that smallest one I said earlier, the sloop, which uh-huh. is kind of a very small little ship, like uh, not big, they needed 160 trees. That's, I, just, I, I just can't even wrap my brain around that. Right? How? What? How? I mean, that's, that's I, I think about a big ship. Yeah. It has lots of, you know, that skeleton down there. Yeah. The, the ribs, as you called them. Yeah, right. Um, there's a lot of them, but like even a big ship is like, I don't know. Like I can't even I can't even make that make sense in my brain. That's, it's huge. It's it, that's absurd. Well, let me give you an example of the ship that uh, would have been used, and in fact, they still use this kind of stuff to uh, to to build. It's one of the uh, the the first ships ever made by the United States by George Washington, mm-hmm. the USS Constitution. Have you heard of that ship? Uh, yeah, I think I've heard of it. Yeah, I think it's in. Um, I think it's in Boston. No, Charleston, uh, the Charleston Navy Yard in South Carolina. So this is one of those big ships that um, they f- one of the very first ones built, and this one is is kind of small comparatively, but it's one of those classic like tall ships you've seen in like Pirates of the Caribbean. You know? Yeah, it's like a uh, what what officer and a gentleman or like uh, what's that Russell Crowe movie oh yeah commander uh commander of the the i think it's just uh, a captain no command oh, what is that alex i know exactly what you're talking about master and commander master and commander yes that's that's exactly it and that thing uh it, that's exactly it. what oh you know what that just reminded me of what uh he tells a joke in that you know the joke in that movie no what's the joke he's in there and he's like okay you have two weevils they pick them out of their bread they, they have two weevils and they're like okay how uh 
if these two if these two weevils were to fight, which one would you pick to uh, win? Which one would you pick to lose? And uh, the the everyone around's like, well, I don't I don't know what would you do? And he's like, I would pick the lesser of the two weevils. Oh my lord. <laughs> Russell Crowe, captain of funny stuff. Been, been listening to too much completely arbitrary. <laughs> I guess so. Oh man. Well, anyway, this is this is one of those <laughs> those first ships. <laughs> Can we just move on, please, Alex? <laughs> That's a slow burn. Yeah. You know what? I like it. It's good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It is. It's a good. It's a good joke. It's a good joke. Um, so this is the kind of ship that we're talking about here, and this was built in, I think, the um, the late 1700s. Okay, sure. And so this is the kind of big old ship that they were doing, but this was built by the United States when the United States existed. So keep in mind, that happened after the 1777. So the ships that were being built before this were being built by other navies in the world. This would be the British Navy, for example. Of course. The Spanish navies. Mm, the Armada. Portuguese and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So the Portuguese weren't dealing so much with these trees because they, they kind of missed out on uh, on the United States or North America at this point. Sure. But they were still trading with other people and merchants. So you had merchants cutting down these trees and then selling them to other people. Um, you had the English where they were trading with like Scandinavian countries mm-hmm. and those Scandinavian countries or other countries in the north of Europe were like, yeah, we're also competing with the with the English, the Dutch, for example. So they're like, we're just going to let the English go into these like northern Germany, you know, uh, places, take these really tall, they called them Riga firs, which is just a Scotch pine or a Scots pine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Pinus sylvestris growing inside of the the uh, what is it N- the North Sea Baltic Sea I think oh think where's the Baltic anyway um, they were growing uh, up there in the north yeah we've talked about this kind of section of the world multiple times yeah. So these forests had these tall trees growing in it and all these other kinds of trees. So at, they would be charged duties and taxes and things in order to take them through these like little ports in these Scandinavian places. Mm. So they were like, well, if we just stop letting them come through, then their navy suffers. So the English were like, okay, yeah, we'll take those other trees and we'll get that colony. So it became like a high priority to take these areas and this entire thing. So like the politics of the time in terms of resources are half the reason the entire eastern coast of North America was colonized by England specifically. That was the resource base that led them to create their gigantic empire that they had in this time period, one of the big, big bits at, at the minimum. And it all revolved around these trees. Yeah, around these trees. There was a, a famous thing for the eastern white pine called the uh, the King's Broad Arrow. Have you heard of this? Uh, the King's Broad? No, what is yeah. that? The idea is that the, the, the king or whoever the monarch was at the time would essentially claim the tall um, eastern white pines uh-huh. on private land. So it would be like... Um, the government of any place comes through and they say, yeah, this is your private land, of course, but that pine right there, that's mine. You can't do that. Any oh. pine of a certain size, that's royal property by decree. Weird. Yeah, so of course, everyone was like, nah, 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 that's my pine. So the, they would come over and they'd put a, a mark on the tree and it was called the King's Broad Arrow and it was like a, an insignia that they would slam into the tree and that would like mark that tree as the King's tree. They're branding these trees. Exactly, yeah, that's it. And so people, that was How half the strange. Reason. Is that a weird like phenomenon? Can yeah. you even imagine that now? Humans are so weird. We we're, just do such weird shit. It, we're weird people, and like especially back then when the, like the the monarch royalty like had like such a uh, I can do anything I want kind yeah. of idea, which they probably still can. So let's just you know keep they, that in mind. They can, yeah. Um, but back then it pissed everybody off, and they would they would make these big um, in the south. They would make these huge reservations of publicly owned land that would be. You cannot cut down any of these uh, these oak trees. They are for the United States Army. What period are we talking? The same period? Sorry, now this is after. Sorry, yeah. Fast forward. The United States has now taken over. So okay. yeah, I, hold on. We'll cut that out entirely. <laughs> um, it's okay. So you had these uh, 
these massive, like, big armies and these navy people, right? Mm-hmm. The English and the Spanish got into a huge tussle. And they had this massive big fight where the uh, the English beat the uh, Spanish in some Navy battles. And like, yeah, so we, we can control the seas. Let's do that. And then they famously just started getting their hands on every bit of oak that they could and there's a one of our resources will be um it's essentially all of the um the uses of the the oak tree like well when we started using them Mm -hmm. and so it's really funny stuff because it's like in um 1784 cumberland island georgia reported denuded as uh, many as many as 300 british loyalists from florida um who were shipping live oaks to the west indies on british ships so in 1784 like pretty late loyalists in florida cut down an entire island's worth of these trees to ship back to england so that they could then have more raw material to build ships wow so also a a given that i should note all ships at this time were made with wood everyone in the entire world sure they're all wood so if you wanted the biggest the best the strongest the toughest the most long lasting you're getting live oak from the east coast of north america Wow. Everyone. So you had like oak pirates like stealing stuff from public land and you had <laughs> Oh, that's so goofy. Yeah, it's so funny, but it's like, wow, that I mean that kind of makes sense. Yeah. And then in the 17 uh, this list I have shows the 1720s to the 1850s was a gigantic period of building for boats. Like everybody, all the big names in Europe, the Spanish, the French, the English, and then at this point, the United States, as soon as it became uh, its own country, mm-hmm. started building their ships to an extent where it was an arms race in the literal terms of the, in the, in the most literal terms of the word, yeah. where all these powers were basically jockeying for the control of all the oceans, and each one were trying to get their hands hands on all these kinds of trees so it ended up cutting down almost every single one we have that's so heart-wrenching it is because each one of these had thousands of ships and we're not even talking alex about the commercial ships like a merchant who just wants to take you know grain from here to here they sure need, they need a ship too maybe yeah. they just need a sloop though so they only need 160 trees right so that is wow that's the 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 level of demand and also the level of do we understand the impact we're having on these trees that didn't exist it was just like no go cut them down please sure and by please i mean i'll kill you if you don't i mean that's such a man this this fucking bums me out casey i'll be honest i know anytime we talk extensively about like i guess particularly colonialism but like colonialism adjacent stuff you Mm -hmm. know like these 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 water wars um it's just such a fucking bummer it really is it's it's so yeah it is you look back and you're just like i wish we didn't do that yeah yeah i mean i guess that's the, the 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 sort of um i guess that's the benefit of looking back yeah um hopefully you learn from that yeah so yeah that's that's the case but at the same time you also had everyone knew how gorgeous these trees were yeah so you had this very you know you had to use them but some people back then decided to plant these trees okay rather than just uh just cut them down that's a start it's a start i'm sorry this is probably not going where you want it to go oh no most of those were like gigantic plantations oh sure okay yeah so now a lot of them have become parks a lot of them are also things like you know these historic sites you know in the south yeah um kind of like the spanish villas and things like that sure sure but they represent like essentially slavery at its peak yeah a plantation was a gigantic land that was run by a white person and white people in order to you know buy in in order to make whatever they're making all done, you know, with the manual labor of slaves. This is interesting that you brought that up in that context, Casey, because yeah. I was planning on saying in my review, and I'll just say it now, that part of the reason I look at this tree and I get sort of a bittersweet feeling because it is very beautiful. Yeah. But to me, it it very aesthetically is very characteristic of a plantation. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not talking tree plantation. I'm talking like cotton plantation. Yeah, exactly. Like ornamentally. Uh, Precisely. And um, a lay. An a lay. Down the road. 
it's, uh, on the way to yeah. the, the master's house. I mean, like... Forrest Gump. It is... You see that yes. a bunch in Forrest Gump itself. Yeah. And that is, like, that is the quintessential thing. And like I said, you go look at those places now, and you're like, oh, my God, that is stunning. Like, this beautiful lay of these massive, big, like, cathedral-like trees arching over with all this moss hanging from it. Yeah. It's super gorgeous. And you just have to be like, oh, man... Like this, the history of this place is is sour. Yeah, I mean, like I think it's good to be able to recognize that um, something can be both like beautiful and make your stomach sick. Yeah, thinking about yeah. the context of why they're there, you know, like everything is is so multifaceted in its meaning. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, well, with that. <laughs> well, well, with that, no, yeah, Alex, there's one last bit to this story. Okay, is that. In about the mid-1800s, there was a big change in how we build ships. Aha! And what essentially happened is there was almost, I think it was like, I think maybe in fact it was during the Civil War, where the South, or the Confederacy, and the uh, United States of America, Mm -hmm. they both simultaneously built these ships that didn't have uh or that had wood as the base of the ship right but then they just put iron over the entire thing and they call it ironclads yes so the ironclads became these ships where they could just throw cannonballs at each other and just ping Pang pong. Yeah. Pang. And like it just became this like silly little game. Like very few people died because they right. just the cannonballs didn't explode. They just bounced off of these gigantic iron sided things. Th- those ships are funny. They look like they look like I like metal turtles in the they, water. Yeah, they do, because they, they're so heavy, they sink so low. Yeah. yeah. Which I think wasn't that sort of the progenitor to the submarine? Um it, there was Am another I... submarine that happened during the Civil War, like explicitly. Uh-huh. Um, but I think it kind of was where they but I don't know if the technology or if they were really thinking about it sure if it was just like they were so on the cusp of new technology where of course the the next step was endless but they hadn't maybe quite been like we're going to do this now and i fucking hate war war is so lame yeah i know i'm sorry no it's okay i'm just i want to be outspoken about my distaste for uh our the subject matter today that's fair that's fair uh it's it's extremely interesting but i also just hate every moment yeah well in this case it, the the good the one positive side we might be able to take from this yeah let's do it and there's many negatives so don't don't get me wrong is that essentially in um, 1883 Congress passed the Steelhole Navy Ship Procurement Bill oh. which ended the United States Navy's use of live oak okay as soon as one Navy stops using trees and uses all metal. All the navies have to do that because of course. If, if you're going to keep up, you better keep up. Yeah. So this was this was not so much a conservation effort. This was uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was <laughs> this is a war effort. Yeah, this is a war effort that ended up making it so that that uh, the pirates who would go onto public land denude it of this oak tree mm-hmm. and sell it to the Brits stopped entirely. Wow. Demand dried up on a dime. Yeah. And now you have these massive big trees, which. Um, as I look here in 2016, and this is, uh, I should give you some context on this list I'm looking at. It's Live Oak Use Historic Timeline, European Colonization and Nation Building by Dr. Kim Coder, who's a professor of tree biology and healthcare at um, the University of Georgia. Well known in arboricultural circles. Okay. Uh, Dr. Kim Coder is a fantastic researcher about how trees work, like really, really well known. Hmm. And is like the 2016 entry just says many large live oaks today are stump sprouts from live oaks that were harvested Uh in the first half of the 19th century. Wow. So it's kind of one of those things where we gave it enough time and now they are, they are these big, massive old trees that you're like, wow. So the history hasn't like done a changeover. The trees have just had enough time to kind of be like, wow, here I go again, restart and regrow where they used to. So we're kind of getting another like resurgence of these trees now. And everyone thinks they're so beautiful and incredible where it's like, I guess we're going to keep them now. It is, it is sort of, maybe I'm just in this sort of mood today, but it is sort of sad that like those, the live oaks that we still have are like, you know, they're like bad memories. Ah, Yeah. Like st- in the flesh, you I know, see, like yeah. you existed at a different time. You mm-hmm. were, you were taken and used for 
evil purposes. Yeah. And then here you are, the same tree, right? Because yeah. it, it just grew out of a stump. Pretty much, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, I think it, I, I would take a positive side from that, where it's the same tree that grew out of a stump. Uh-huh. So it's not necessarily a memory. It's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm still here. You guys did everything in your power to cut me down and kill me and root me out. Sure. Still here. Okay. I in like fact, that positive spin. Still coming back. So we, 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 I think you and I are in different moods today. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good. Yeah. So, uh, but that's, that is the history of this live wow. oak tree and go there today and you can see it. Uh, there's an example I put a picture of, which is a famous, famous tree. It's called the, uh, the angel oak. It's in Charleston, South Carolina. Mm. There's a bunch of these kinds of trees where they are some of the most massive, daunting, spreading things you've ever seen. Like a spider's worth of like branches that come out and splay. It looks like any at any point the tree could get up and walk away right it's it they're stunning trees so it's just it's everything about it just blows my mind can they grow here in oregon or is it too cold i, I think it's too cold i don't know if anyone's ever tried to grow one here oh but there patreon is, idea hey yeah send it our <laughs> way casey and alex planted live oak yeah there is a yeah that's a long form patreon isn't it <laughs> you just subscribe for uh, 400 years yeah. to, for <laughs> we'll, it to pay off we'll let you know there's uh we do have in um southern oregon a species that's called um i believe actually scientific name is quercus wislizii wislizii yeah i believe so and that tree is a uh it's called the um california live oak or the the southern not the southern uh the coast live oak right and that is a um sorry wisliz wis wislizii <laughs> it's even better than I thought. <laughs> they, sh- they really, they really dropped the ball in not naming that the wizard oak. Yeah, they really did. What were yeah. they thinking? So they call that the interior live oak, and then there's mm. another one that's uh, Quercus agrifolia, which is the coast live oak. So there's a bunch of different live oaks that grow down in southern Oregon, okay. and northern California that look almost exactly the same. Of course, they lack the incredible Spanish moss. Um, I don't know if they get quite as big, but they do have that very same architecture and Mm, effect. I'd like to see them. Yeah, there's one down in uh, the Alameda District in Portland. It's a heritage tree, and it's growing on a big, beautiful... uh, It's a giant estate. It looks like a castle. Mm. But you can see it if you just go by on, uh, I think, maybe 26th or 28th Avenue, and you can see this like incredible tree that you're like... Whoa! Yeah, it it's it's a baby. It's less than a hundred years old, but it has the grandeur that you would expect already. Wow, it's a stunning tree. That's great, uh, Casey. Let's get into our review of the Southern Live Oak. Let's do it. Uh, here's how it works. We'll give some final thoughts on the tree, and then give it a rating of zero to ten. Golden cones of honor. Um, Casey, Alex. as a resident expert, let's begin with you. Let's do it. So. I am just constantly stunned by by these trees. I just think they're I think they're so amazing. Their history is is one of like torment that then but they 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 come back and they respond to it. They're strong wooded trees, even the ones that are closely resembling and related to it that grow in Texas in uh California, anywhere that you have these trees, they just create this cathedral-like effect where they grow out and over and are strong enough that you're like, I could hang monkey bars from this and just yeah. enjoy it. So I just think they have, architecturally speaking, when we did actually the um, specimen tree, our Return of the King the episode. Stewardia. The Stewardia, in, in one of those articles, I said, see this, that is a perfect specimen tree. It was a courtyard with this big tree coming over. It was a live oak. That was a live oak. Yeah. Although I think it was probably the Quercus agrifolia, the coast live oak of it, California. It looked cali- it looked like a like an LA. Yeah, home. I think there's like agave growing there or yeah. something. So, but that is what these trees do, and they, when planted and taken care of in the right way, are the most stunning hmm. broadleaf trees I think I've ever seen in my life. I think they're incredible trees. I give the coast live oak a nine point six. Holy shit. They are stunning. I wow. cannot, I can't, like, I just, I, and they grow so well. Like, you plant them, if you give them enough water and they just survive, they will take care of themselves and they will just keep cooking. I've had people lament, uh, like, arborists and um, 
nurserymen here in town lament that what if on 82nd Avenue, for those of you who aren't in Portland, it's like this road that used to be on the outskirts of Portland. Now it's like kind of in the center, Mm -hmm. not in the center. Geographically, it cuts a swath through the east side and it is a two lane road with a middle, uh, middle like turn lane, sidewalks right next to it. There's no bike lane. There's just sprawl tastic, you know, places on either side like it's not a very beautiful boulevard kind of street it's mostly seedy motels and really good vietnamese restaurants yeah exactly it's got its good good things but like city planning wise it sucks yeah it's it's ugly as shit yeah and it's called the avenue of roses there are no roses on the road it's it's it is not a pleasant place to be Unless you're inside doing, you know, getting food, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people said, what if 50 years ago we widened the road just enough to have a giant allay of trees growing along either side of it? And you have this huge, and they use specifically a uh, live oak tree as an example. Oh, yeah. Just growing over the top of this place. What would that be like now today? Be a lot different. Oh, my God. So that's like, I just. They're wonderful trees. They're beautiful. They're perfect. They should be planted a hundred times more than they are everywhere. At wonderful. Least the the kind that we can grow here. Nine point six. That's what I say. Nine point six for the the southern live oak. Very well done, Casey. Yes, very well done, southern live oak. Now, Alex. Yes. How do you feel about the southern live oak? I have mixed feelings. Okay. Tell. Walk us through your process here. All right. Aesthetically, mm-hmm. this tree is. A complete smoke show. Yeah. Like an all-timer, 100%. One of the most beautiful, impressive trees we've talked about since Mm -hmm. we started this podcast. Mm -hmm. Top five, at least. There you go. Um, God, what are the other four? We don't need to get into that now. Okay, yeah. Uh, (laughs) I, you know, discussions like we had today... Are a little tough. Yeah, they just make me feel sick to my stomach. I, mm. I just, I, I, you know, it's it's hard. It's it's. I don't know why. It's it's. Well, I know why. Um, but that was not. And I, I'm I'm electing to say that's not the tree's fault. Obviously. Okay. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing we ever say. It's it's silly to even say that. Yeah, but uh, I, I think it's fair. It's in it's the fair. universe of completely arbitrary. Sometimes we blame the tree, and sometimes we blame the people. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and we get to choose when yeah. that is not a rule <laughs> we we made up these stupid rules we can break them uh yeah i just feel bad for the coast or for the southern live oak um yeah what a, what a what a torturous history uh wrong place wrong time yeah, yeah. um how and i you know i can't I, it's really hard to separate it aesthetically from the la uh entering a plantation yeah that's like that's a big sticking point the for big me house of the plantation yes yeah. that's that's awful um however if i'm just looking at this tree in a in a on a blank white plane yeah you know in mm-hmm. in photoshop i've cut it out and i put it on a white background <laughs> yeah I cannot deny that it is an extremely impressive specimen. I'm forgetting its context completely. I'm giving the Southern Live Oak a 9.0. A 9.0. Yeah, I think it's well deserved. And it's it just has I I can't think about its context. It's, yeah. it's so it's so gross. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, however, the tree itself whew. That's fair. Hey, yeah. that's okay. And that's that this is this is how we do it. If you did keep it in there, I'd say that's also fine. Yeah, sure. So I think this that that's good. I think it's well deserved. Wait, keep what in there? Uh, the context. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Where I think either way, if you look at it with context, without context, it, whatever it, you come up with after that, I think is valid. Is okay. what I'm saying. Okay. So yeah, there you go. You know what that means, though, Alex. <laughs> oh, Casey. Uh oh. Alex, I, is I nearly up. forgot. I know you nearly did, and I I saw the piano behind you, and I was like, oh, of course that <gasps> that's not the piano. That's the melodica. To the Southern Live Oak, we induct you into the Golden Arboretum of Honor. Today, we honor you. about oh what a beautiful tree yeah well well deserved casey well deserved 
Casey, it's time for our completely arbitrary Q and A. All right. What do we got today, Alex? We've been we've been getting a lot of good questions lately, so I think this has actually been pretty hard. Yeah, it's true. We we're on a roll with people sending in really good, provoking questions. Yeah, yeah, right. This week's question is from Nick. Nick says, "Hello there, my fellow tree enthusiasts. Hi, Nick. Hi, Nick. I live in the Piedmont region of South Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, and I have noticed little clusters of evergreen leaves." at the top of some deciduous trees that are visible once the, quote, regular leaves fall. They seem to be in the willow oak primarily, but of that, I'm not certain. What are these? (laughs) Casey, clusters of evergreen leaves at the tops of deciduous trees? Yeah. Is Nick uh, seeing things? Nick might be seeing things, but those things could be one of two things, I think. Wow. So... There is this strange phenomenon, and I don't really know why this happens necessarily, but on on some trees, there are new shoots that, that come out every year, right? For whatever reason, those new shoots are not, they don't senesce in the same way. Senesce, please yes. define. Senesce is just falling off, where if you senesce something, it falls away. Okay. So like, you know, leaves senesce, and it's called senescence. And then if they don't fall, it's called mertescence. Wow. Um, and I think I think there's a T in there. Mercescence, actually. I, I take away the T. Okay. So um, a mercescent tree is an oak tree that doesn't lose its leaves. It just keeps all of its old leaves on, like the whole year, for whatever reason. But And, and, and uh, a deciduous oak? Yes, yes, correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a mercescent not, deciduous oak. Yes. And then there's also sci- or the senescent, senescence is the act of being deciduous. So a deciduous tree senesces its leaves. <laughs> Come on. You're welcome, Alex. What are you guys doing Thanks, in, the tree, in, in the tree world? Uh, we're just like, let's add six words to what only one would actually yeah, seriously. be needed for. I, I guess a lot of, a lot of industries yeah, do that. It's always the same. Yeah. Well, so uh, the senescence of some of these leaves, like basically it's a, it, there's th- these cells at the edge of where the petiole connects to the stem, uh-huh. and those cells will close off when it gets cold, and then they chemically and physically kind of close this bond off, and then the leaves just kind of snap off and they fly away. Oh, wow. So, and that's how the tree basically shuts the gates in the tree, and it no longer gets any uh, sustenance. Oh, wow. And then, a lot of times, it actually happens when you get a freeze, where the, the cells in there that basically are no longer fed, they slowly start to die, but they still have some water in there. So then when it freezes, that water expands and essentially rips apart. Right. Like When water freezes, it expands. It gets a little bit bigger. Uh-huh. So it rips apart the cells, and then those leaves now have been physically ripped apart due to the frost and then they fall off almost in mass what a gruesome death it is it's kind of gruesome but like in the in the idea of like uh how does this physiologically work it's really fascinating i was in the um uh kind of the peninsula of oregon the the kind of northwestern section Mm -hmm. and we were driving through the forest and it was the first day in november that it dropped way below 30 degrees when we camped Uh and then we got back out of the uh out of our truck started driving around and all the big leaf maples were dropping almost all their leaves at once. Wow. It was like the day before, man, eh, there's a leaf there, there's a leaf here. And then the after the freeze, it was just like a torrent of leaves falling because just that last little thing just kind of blip, broke apart. Yeah. For whatever reason. It's whatever it needed. Yeah, it, exactly. So for whatever reason, sometimes newer leaves on the newer shoots of plants don't do that okay like they just don't senesce in the same way where they just kind of sit there and chill out and they're not doing anything like they've been chemically taken away but they just don't fall away they don't get the the biochemical uh memo i guess so yeah and i don't know exactly why like is there there doesn't seem to be in my like you know strict opinion a good like evolutionary reason for Uh this it might just be they're growing so fast that they when that bud is set it doesn't have something that's there because it's like they're just like who cares we don't care just keep 
grow as fast as you can. Interesting. You know, something like that. It also happens on new shoots really often where a new sprout comes from somewhere because the tree's stressed or it got hit by a lawnmower or something like that. It sends up a shoot. Those shoots will also keep that on, but those shoots are essentially the same as the shoots at the end of a twig. They're mm. like this year's growth that came and grew really fast and was, uh, you know, stimulated to grow as quickly as it could, as much as it could. Interesting. And they keep their leaves on. Okay. I, I don't know why. That could be what's happening. Okay. I've never quite seen it. Um, I haven't looked closely on a lot of willow oaks to really like uh, dial it in and say, yes, willow oak does this. Yeah. Um, willow oak is Quercus fellos, for those of you who are looking, P-H-E-L-L-O-S. Um, however, there's another thing that this could be, which I know happens in almost all oaks. Hmm. And that is mistletoe. Wow. Casey, I like this theory way more. Yeah, okay. That it's just another plant up there, and (laughs) it's it's too far away and blends in too much to realize that it's a a different plant entirely. Exactly. So that that could be it, Uh, especially in oak trees. They get mistletoe like crazy. Okay. So all the other leaves fall. There's deciduous, but there's a mistletoe species that's growing up there. They are green sometimes just because they're like, yeah, I mean, I'll make a little bit of photosynthesis, or maybe they're just green because that's how they were, and there's no reason not to be at this point yeah but they are parasitic plants growing up there as little little tufts or balls on these oak trees there you go so that is those are my two guesses as to what's going on on these uh willow oaks nick thank you nick for your question yeah there you go uh if you have a question for casey about trees email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com that's a r b o r t r a r y p o d at gmail.com yeah Join us on Instagram at Arbitrary Pod. Same spelling. <laughs> or support this podcast on Patreon, patreon.com slash arbitrary pod. Join the Arboretum for two bonus episodes a month or the Cone of the Month Club for a unique die cut cone sticker illustrated by an independent artist printed locally in Portland, Oregon, sent to your mailbox every month. It's a lot of fun. It is. And please rate and review this podcast. Five star reviews only. Casey, we've made it to the end of another episode of Completely Arbitrary. We sure have. What fun. You know, I sometimes, I, I, I just became self-aware that sometimes I don't know what to say at the end of an episode because we've said everything we need to say. Yeah, so we're just going to end this one here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Bye. I'll uh, see you later, guys. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening.